The second lesson this morning comes from the book of Philippians, a letter written by Paul to the community at Philippi, chapter 3, verses 4 to 16. Hear the word of the Lord. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us, then, who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this, too, God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are here on the fifth Sunday of our walking through the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And over here now we have Sola Fide, which is a beautiful illustration that has been collaborated by our confirmands that went through confirmation this year and they were confirmed in April, and their statements of faith have then filled up that space, as, long, as well as other statements of faith. And soli deo gloria, glory to God alone, is the Sunday that we are recognizing and upholding today. And this is Susan Barron, an artist within our congregation, has rendered this piece to acknowledge that, that glory to God alone, that in all things, that that is what we offer and we'll continue to fill our sanctuary space with these renderings of the five solas of the Reformation. 
And now we'll turn our mind to Philippians here for us this morning. Well, Paul is finally at the place within his epistle where he has something to say to his community, and he wants to issue them a warning. And if you back up just a few verses from where we started reading, you'll note it's just a few verses earlier. He basically starts off chapter 3 by letting his community know that he has something that he wants them to be aware of. Because Paul is aware that there were people, and they were frequent in the first century, and they were very uh, attentive to their traditions, and they wanted to make sure that they were getting it right. And the reality is that there were people who wanted the old ways to stay put. There was a way of becoming part of the covenant community, they said, and that way was through circumcision. And this was the tradition that they wanted to keep going, even in light of all that had happened in the person of Jesus. They believed, they were oriented around this idea that God had not negated circumcision in the coming of Jesus, but that in fact it still needed to be practiced among those who came into the covenant community of faith. And friends, we will never be able to understand just how important this work of circumcision was in the first century. For us, it feels very far away. Uh, It feels distant, almost, as if how could that be something that even mattered, that was important, that was a theological debate. But in the first century, we need to recognize that circumcision was the mark of the covenant. It was the way of life that signified that you understood the promises of God and that you considered yourself to be part of that covenant community. And these folks existed here at Philippi in the community of faith. And they were the people that wanted to make sure that the reality of the past kept its way going into the future. And friends, Paul has a word for these folks. He says to beware. Not of them. He wants them to be in the covenant community. But he wants us as the community of faith to be aware of their teaching. Beware of going backwards, Paul says. Beware of those who practice false circumcision. Because our confidence is not in the act of circumcision itself. Our confidence is instead in the faithfulness of God. Revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And how often we want something else besides that reality to be our confidence, but it is just not. As Paul states here in Philippians 3, that alone is our full confidence. We have no other one, and we don't need to hold on to this reality of circumcision to make it seem like we're trying to hold it all together. And then this is what leads Paul into this great tirade that he has. He lists all of the things that he has done that sort of align him with that circumcised community. He mentions that he is born, he circumcised on the eighth day, born of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee in regards to the law, blameless. And yet in view of all of these things, 
In view of the reality of how faithfulness had been marked in the past, do you know the word that Paul uses in order to make sense of that as he looks towards the future? He uses a word in Greek that we don't see in any other place. It's called skubala. And do you know what skubala is? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) I'm going to let your imagination wander. But I want you to know that this is an epistle where Paul swears. He says, in light of everything that I know about the future, what I've had in the past is skubala. It's scubula. And he's not being anti-Semitic in this sentiment. Instead, what he's beginning to do is to draw a vision of the future where there are other measures of faithfulness than the ones that we have had in the past. And then Paul begins to illustrate those other measures of faithfulness. And he says in verse 10, what is one of the measures? That I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and that I may share in his sufferings. That's one of the measures of faithfulness. And then the other one in verse 12, I put my grip on this, Paul says, because I have been gripped by the person of Jesus Christ. And in your text that you have today, he says, I press on because Jesus has made me my own. You can see the way that the passive is working alongside the active there. It's a continual theme throughout Philippians where Paul says, I am doing something not because it is me doing it, but because something has been done to me. And that's what he's getting at in verse 12. He says, I put my grip on this future. Why? Not because it's something that I did, but because Jesus Christ has put his grip on me. That's what Paul is saying. And it changes the whole reality of the future. You don't have to like the Apostle Paul to fall in love with this idea That what happened in the person of Jesus Christ was so big and so strong and so historic that it literally changed what faithfulness looked like in the world. No longer did the community need to mark itself with physical circumcision, but now instead it looked different. It looked like a community that was resolved and firmly confident that the life of Jesus had somehow changed the world. And as a community, they were going to do their best to citizen themselves, remember, around the gospel, so that they could live that out in the face of the world. It was a community that was radically oriented towards the future. Not towards the past. And I want you to know that as we have marked this 500th anniversary of the Reformation, friends, we are not looking backwards. We have looked backwards only so that we can see where we have come, so that we know the materials that have paved the way, but it is all for the sake of future building and not past celebration. There are things about the Reformation that we might need to let go of. I don't know what those are. But that's the reality of the historic moment in which we stand. There are things from the past that we might need to carry into the future. I don't know what those are. But that is the historic moment in which we stand. 
We have not inherited a faith that commissions us to stand still in the face of history. We have inherited a faith that gives us the tools to know how to move forward into the future. And that is what Paul is saying to his community here in Philippians 3. You beware of the people who pull you back, he says. That's not where God is headed. You press on towards the future because that is where Jesus is. My children think that I am ancient because I did not grow up with a cell phone. Recently, we were talking about a landline when one of them said, well, what's a landline? And we laughed, and I explained, well, it's a phone with a cord that comes out of the wall. Well, why, they said. Well, because that's the way it was, I said. Oh, they said. But the idea of connection and conversation, well, that has been preserved. They know what happens in a phone call, but they don't know where the landline is. You see, no one is asking what connection is. The method has changed, but the core idea, that remains the same. And Paul is exhorting his, his community in chapter 3 here to not confuse the method with the core idea. He says, don't get faithfulness so tied to a particular act that you lose sight of what it actually is. The method needs to be flexible. Because what matters is not the method, but what matters is that God is alive and real and firmly oriented towards the future. We cannot be so tied to our landlines that we forget that what is at stake is actually connection, conversation, warmth, and human exchange. So let go of the landlines Metaphorically, if you've got them in your house, great. But we need to let go of the metaphorical landlines that we have held to and cling to and said, this is what faithfulness looks like because I am telling you, it is not. We press on, Paul says, towards the future because that's where Jesus is. I want to close with two creeds. One stretches back into time, the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed second clause is about God the Son. And in this clause where the Nicene Creed from the 4th century was written in 325, that's how old this creed is, but when this creed tries to describe the person of God the Son, the creed uses this words and it closes this way, God the Son whose kingdom shall have no end. In other words, this creed is claiming that the story that has been started in the person of Jesus Christ, it hasn't been finished and it never will be, and it literally has no end. The future, that's where it is. We press on because Christ has made us his own. And the second confession that I want to close with is from the Belhar. Now, the Belhar, as you know, was a 20th century confession. It was written in, 19, in the 1980s, and it was just adopted by the General Assembly in Portland in the year 2016 for the PCUSA. And the first clause from the Belhar reads this way. It says, 
that Christ's work of reconciliation is made manifest in the church as the community of believers who have been reconciled with God and with one another. In other words, the Belhar is trying to get hold of, we might not be very good at this whole idea of reconciliation. In fact, we might fail at it miserably. But we live oriented from the future where the person of Jesus Christ does reconcile us. And so therefore we try, we press on, not because it's about us, but because we recognize that we're living into a future reality that does not exist, but has been claimed. And that's the radical vision of the Belhar. How we live into the future, even before it's here. Friends, changes may come. But we remain focused because it was never about the method to begin with. It was never about the landline. You know, I'm sure many of you in here could go back and talk with relatives that maybe have been long past and recognize that for them, a landline was just another passing thing. There was another method of communication before that. It was never about the method. It was always about the core idea and the core reality that Christ's presence changes everything. That's the history in which we stand, and that's the future in which we will live into. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, as you give us this vision for the future, give us also the strength to live into it. We ask by Christ's power and the power of the Holy Spirit that you would equip us with courage and gentleness and love. In your name, amen. Let us stand. Amen.